Welcome to Relatable. This is your host, Teresa Freeman. Thank you for joining me. We have a real treat for you. Melissa Payne, published author of The Secrets of Lost Stones, is here. What a wonderful conversation. Melissa was so patient as I asked her 101 questions about becoming a published author. For any wannabe authors or writers out there, this episode is for you. She set a goal for being published and had the patience and fortitude to see it through. During our conversation, Melissa was open about her writing journey, how she navigated the teen years, as well as how college and beyond shaped who she is today. Enjoy this episode. Melissa, thank you for being with me today. I'm so excited to talk with you. And we have a mutual friend. And what I'm super excited about, I think you're my second author. So I've had one other author who wrote books around professional development and leadership. But I think you're my first like novelist, fictional oh, writer. So That's exciting. It is very <laughs> exciting. And thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it. Thanks for asking. So maybe we'll first just start with you talking a little bit about your book and what the title is and what it's about and what inspired you to write it. Okay. Um, it's called The Secrets of Lost Stones. Okay. And it's, it's a great title, by the way. I yes, love it. It's not the one that start, didn't start out that way, Okay. But, um, but that's what it became and I actually love the title. I think it's appropriate and it's fun. Yeah. You know, it makes you wonder what it's about. Um, but it's a, a it's a book about love, loss, love, grief, and survival. And so there's these are and redemption, yeah. which are themes that I love to play with in stories. So moving forward, we're going to find a lot of those themes in the other books I write. Mm-hmm. Okay, because I think those are just basic themes about life yes. and living and what we all face in one way or another. And I like to put that with characters with unique qualities, and then how can those characters what happens then right putting them in different situations so so yes so Jess is a mom who um, had to um, her son had died eight years ago and so she's lived and survived until then right I mean since then Um, but that doesn't mean she's necessarily been living right and so we kind of pick up with her there and then it's also about star who's a lonely teenage girl who believes her best option is to sleep under a city bench doesn't believe she deserves a family she's been in and out of foster homes um, she's 15 years old. And then there's Lucy, who's a woman with a gift to tie them all together. Oh. So um, that's really what this is about, is how, how are we connected? How are people connected? Because mm-hmm. I believe that there are so many threads that run through our lives, and you just never know how some are going to come together. Right. And so that was what was fun and challenging about this story, now, I did use magic to help break some of those yeah. together because sometimes I think we need a little bit of magic in our lives. Yeah. But not all stories have that. But I do believe that we're connected in more ways than we realize. So it's fun for me as an author to explore that. And is this the first of many? Or is this like, is this have sequel potential? This particular book? Yes. I hope it's the first of many. But yes. um, this one right now absolutely has um, sequel pot- potential. It, I have written another story set in this town. Mm-hmm. Um, but with another character who's in this, and she, but she plays a bigger role. So 
kind of like the town is the character, oh, it, more cool. so in my mind. And then there's lots of people who live there who are very colorful characters. Um, but Lucy, who a lot of readers have really identified with, funny enough, my little, my is she a witch Lucy, right. um, <laughs> does play, would, you know, does play Ooh, the other book too. I like that. Yeah. So tell me a little bit just about your background with writing. Have you always been a writer? Is it something that you knew you wanted to do early on? I'd like to tell you that I wrote the great American novel when I was five years old. <laughs> I did not. No, I don't even know not. if I could spell at five. <laughs> um, I've always loved to communicate through writing. That came very naturally oh. to me. So when I got to college and they gave me a blue book, Mm-hmm. I, I almost sang. Right. I was like, I can do this. Right. And I would fill blue books and I would pass all my courses with blue books because I could write and express my answers through writing. Um, so that has always come naturally to me. Now, I, I went into a different field. I went into development work. So I actually worked for, uh, it was fundraising okay. and event planning for a nonprofit in, in Denver called the Tennyson Center for Children. And we worked with kids who've been abused and neglected. So that, but then my writing was still important there because when you're writing fundraising letters, you want people to give to support these kids. Yeah. So you got to have an emotional still, aspect. Right. You got to be able to reach out and get people's hearts through a letter. So writing has always been integral to who I am and what I enjoy doing. Did you write stories as a hobby before, like other than it being your job in fundraising? Like, have, did you? You know, probably my emails to. <laughs> To your friends. Yes. I would really, I when emails came around, yeah. I would write an email and crack myself up. Yeah. And just, it could be a whole story of whatever had happened. And I loved that. Ah. Um, voicemails also <laughs> went long <laughs> often. So, so yes. And then in 2000 and was it 11? Maybe earlier than that. I broke my foot and I had three young kids. I was in a cast oh and I couldn't, I, I had to, I was had to be resting for a while. So I didn't know what to do with myself. I'm sitting there and watch the kids destroy right. the house, but I can't really do much. And so I decided to start a blog. Ah. So I started writing then, and that was a marriage, motherhood, life, kind of in the style. Irma Bombeck, when I was younger, mm-hmm. loved reading her. She cracked me up. Yeah. And so the blog was really Irma Bombeck-ish, you know, yeah. just bringing humor to stories. I love that. So maybe just back up a little bit because I am fascinated by each person's story and how they navigate where they get to. And so I want to come back to the book and talk more about that process. But in terms of um, your younger self and your middle school and high school self, tell me a little bit about where you grew up and what that was like. So I went to high school in Cincinnati, um, Ohio. Um, And that's actually where I met Kelly. But... um, yeah, I you know those were tough years. Really, when I look back on there, I can't say that's it's not where I broke out of, where I would say I was free. You know, I wouldn't say they were tough okay. and oh I was bullied or oh I mean I had a great home life. Um, they were tough in the sense of I wasn't hadn't broken out of who I was. Mm-hmm. I hadn't just I hadn't figured I wasn't strong enough. I think most kids can say that. Most adults can look back at those years. So and that's how I felt about high school I was quiet um I kept to myself even though I I joined yeah but you had a friend group that you were part of yeah but when I look back at those years my the strongest feelings I have is that it wasn't me 
Do you feel like you were being someone else? Like you were, there was like who you were and like trying to figure out who's like the outside you. And I think that's very typical in high school. It's like, who do they want you to be? I knew who I was. Yeah. I knew I wasn't the kind of person that most high school kids would enjoy necessarily. Interesting. Which I could have, I was probably wrong had I been. So I kept that part of me, I kept that part of me away, you know, away. Mm. or kept inside except with my family totally comfortable totally me Mm -hmm. Uh, but I would say I felt like I hid who I was in a way on purpose yeah yeah and what was the why were you hiding it do you think because you're afraid that people won't like you Mm. yeah just this sort of tried and true yeah yeah and that's actually why when I write those are themes you can play with everyone feels that so if it's a kid whose mom has rejected them, that kid wants their mom to love them. Right. It doesn't matter what that, it's their mom. Right. You're, you know, so you want your mom to love you. You want your parents to want you. Yeah. So those are, you know, whether it's high school and you're the awkward kid who you think nobody likes, mm-hmm. or if you're a kid whose parent, parent, one of your parents is an alcoholic, and but you still love them and want them to get better. Um, those are, to me, the life themes. I think it's so interesting, too, because sometimes you you think of people as either good or bad. And I found, you know, over time, like, you know, alcoholics, not alcohol, like you can be a person that's struggling and having a hard time uh, and you still can have good parts of your soul, right? It's not all, even evil people, like it, there's this continuum of like, you're not all bad and you're not all good, uh, but it's hard to figure that out. It's way, the way easier sometimes to look at things black and white yeah. because it's less, it's scary in the middle, yeah. scary in the gray. But the gray is where the stories are. The mm-hmm. gray is where life really happens. True. Um, but as people, sometimes we're comfortable being, well, that's just a bad person. Well, it's just not that easy. Right. And especially with kids. And Star is, to me, my character in The Secrets of Lost Stones. Mm-hmm. She's important to me because she came from what was once a family that was together. Then her mom died. And then her dad just kind of devolved into yeah. alcoholism and drug addiction. And that's not a story that's new. That right. happens all the time. Right. Um, unfortunately, for a lot of kids who experience abuse, that cycle, that pattern is replayed over and over again because it's how they learn to love. It's how they learn this is what home life right. is. So it's hard to break that. But that absolutely doesn't mean they're a bad person or that they right. can't break it. But to, it's important, I think, to understand that people come may come with a lot of baggage, yeah. but that baggage doesn't have to define them. It is hard to drop it, but... And so would you characterize this as like a transformation story? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I love transformation. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's so inspiring <laughs> when you see people go through a lot and then come out the other side. In terms of that time, did you feel like, um, was there anything that anchored you or anything that helped you know that you were going to get through it, even though it was difficult and you couldn't exactly be who you were? Yeah. And I don't want to over-dramatize it for me sure. particularly because I... It's, I wasn't scarred by it. I was pretty aware. But mm-hmm. my family and mm-hmm. my church and just, yeah, they rooted me. My yeah. family absolutely rooted me. And were you good academically? Was that, did that come pretty easy to you? It was you? pretty decent, but I wasn't great. <laughs> I could have done better. <laughs> I probably should have. Let's not, but college now that I did better there. Yeah. 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 No, I, pro- I probably could have applied myself more. A little bit more. being honest. So if you think back to that time, and I think it's, it's certainly changed now. Um, and I've talked about this before on this podcast with other parents around all this pressure that our kids face. It's, it's, um, it's different in some ways, less pressure because things are easier, maybe, um, 
less dysfunction, hopefully, but then I think sometimes academic and social pressure is pretty strong. So when you think back to that time, was there one that felt more, you were more aware of in terms of pressure, social or academic? I think I really felt the social pressure yeah. the most. Yeah, the academic I didn't, but my parents, they weren't straight A kind of parents. They wanted to see us put the work in. Yeah. And we were all relatively conscious kids. Like we wanted to do well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think letting the social pressures affect me kept me from really applying myself in the classroom, right? right? Yes. those do kind of go together. So, um, And how many siblings do you have? I have an older sister and a younger brother. Oh, so you're the middle. Yes. It's hard to be the middle. I'm the youngest of five. Oh, so. I like the middle. You do? Do you? <laughs> I do. Oh, I love to hear that. I worry because I have three boys, so I have a middle, and I sometimes worry that that's a hard spot to be in. So the fact that you like it gives me sure. hope. That it's I like a, it now. Maybe I didn't like it when I was younger. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so then college was a good experience, and did you, you said you college. found your groove there. Tell me oh, just a yeah. little bit about that. Yeah, I mean, just what was expected of me in classrooms, mm-hmm. that ability, that freedom to think and talk. It's so classic college, you right. know, like yeah. the poet, the bad poetry, <laughs> the poetry slam at the coffee house. Where, the black turtle. Oh my gosh, yes, all of that. I loved it. I soaked it up. The yeah. ability to demonstrate how I felt about things. I was an organizer. My friends were incredibly supportive of the things that I organized yeah. um, with other students. And I was driven and I was passionate, all the college stuff. Yes. Um, you know, looking back, I had, that was a privilege. That was a privilege I had to be able to go to college and explore myself mm-hmm. and, and have no consequences other than growth from that. And not all people have that same right uh, privilege, right? Or that same, it's not that easy. Right. College is expensive and it's hard. And maybe you have a lot of social and home pressures going through that. So I'm very aware of that. Mm-hmm. I think it's important to be aware of it. Um, but I also t- did the best I could and took a lot from it and uh, it kind of like it turned me on I was I was awake it w- woke me up I should here's the thing I find <laughs> now that I'm talking to people about their story is that having patience for that to hit because I don't sometimes it happens for people early in high school where they connect very early on this is what I want to be this is what I want to do this is what I'm good at sometimes it's college like I was a really late bloomer and it took me probably till I was probably early in my career that I was like, oh my gosh, I found my people, I found out what I'm good at, and all this other stuff where I felt like I wasn't, which kind of informed my own confidence. It was like, you just have to be patient and hold out because it comes. So I think for you, it's cool that it happened in college and that was a great time to experiment and figure that out. So then you leave college and your first job is in fundraising or is that Mm -hmm. where you spent most of your time? Yeah, and I was a... um... Yeah, I was in development. Yep. Okay. For and doing a lot summer. of writing. And then tell me about just the idea of, you know, putting your out. So you did the blog, but then putting yourself out there to write this book. Like, just tell me about that process. And mm-hmm. I think that's like kind of scary and taking a risk and you're putting your creative energy out into the world. So yeah. tell me how that, how you came to be. Yeah, to get there, I'm going to back yes. up a second. Yes. Because I think this idea that we have to have it all together, even yes. in college. And, oh, this is what I want to do. I think that's selling all of our lives short. If you want to live a long, if you're going to live a long yeah. life, I hope that yes. we all do here. But um, you, you're going to go through a lot of transformations yes. because you're going to have relationships that are going to change you, or you change them. You're going to have children who change you, and so all of those stuff make you a richer, deeper person. Mm-hmm. And that then, I think, can affect where you move from there. Even if it's even if you're a doctor or an HR person, or if you're in um, tech. 
that might be what you do and how you express yourself, but I mean, you're going to then change at some point and then you're going to approach that job in a different way totally. as a different person. Yes. So for me, mine was a dramatic, I'm 40 and I'm going to write a book, right? That's a dramatic <laughs> statement. I'm now going to do this. But people do that all the time mm-hmm. in some form or another. It could be not quite as dramatic. It could be smaller, but we, we take these cumulative experiences right. and we, we do something with them. Did it so, feel risky to you to do it? Or was it well, like, no, I'm just like, this is what I want to do, so I'm going to do it? You know, I took it um, I took it pretty seriously. And so uh, when I decided to do that, my choice was my, I had decided to stay at home with the kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I was part, I contract work, and but I was mostly home. And I, no regrets. I did not see that happening. In fact, I thought I was going to work mm-hmm. the whole time. And between my husband and I, it was important to him. And he offered to stay home. And I said, well, it makes more sense for me. Um, and I'm happy about that. How old are your kids now? They're 15, 13, and 11. Oh, okay. Yeah. And so it was that time where it was my choice to, it was time to go back. And I mm-hmm. could go back to what I was doing. Yeah. But I had started to write that blog. And I was loving that expression. And I was, fine. you know, those when you start getting... If you're a creative person, which I kind of, I think we all are in some way, um, once you start getting that moving, it's like, I want to do more of this. So I was pretty targeted of, I need to write this book in this amount of time, and then I need to query agents, and then I need to keep writing another book. And and I just knew that I had a timeline of about five years, actually, which was a shortened timeline. Uh, But I was like, at least if I could be 45 and... (laughs) have a book published or be well on my way then by 50 I could have so I was you know a goal like I think the goal goals having goals writing goals down manifesting goals like that's an important piece too Mm -hmm. to at least it's helped me reach for things like once you write it down you you know there's something that's like tangible and tangible so I mean I didn't have a vision board but that works for people absolutely but it was this kind of the same thing just my goal was public being published being published and did you know about that industry at all was this all no not until I started so tell me some of your I mean we don't have a ton of time but I'm fascinated with that because I think what's been great about technology and Amazon and self-publishing there's all these ways now that people can write and put books together but I think there's probably uh, a tried and true way or there's maybe people out there that are listening to this that have the same ideas where they might like to author a book so a little bit about that process or what are some of the key lessons that you learned going mm-hmm. through it well first you write the book okay and you write the book without a lot of noise in your head I mean you definitely <laughs> should know how to write which if you're gonna write the book you're gonna know how to write but be willing and open to revise and edit that. Be willing mm. and open to listen to people, to listen to experts, to listen to friends. But then also know what you want. You gotta you gotta have a strong enough backbone to know. But this is the story, mm-hmm. and so how do I take in all this feedback and put it into this story? The good feedback, right? The stuff that speaks to you and is like that's part of this story. Mm-hmm. And how do I put it in here now, but not lose who I am? So you have to be flexible and <laughs> and a, and an iron spine all at the same time. And you have to be willing to take feedback. How many revisions would you say? I can't 
even tell you. Really? I have no idea. Uh, but I revise a ton. I'm a what's what the writer world calls a pantser. So mm. there's plotters and there's pants. I've tried to plot. I've put like, you know, little, I try to get my color coding system and then I just look at it and I slum forward and I have no idea what to do. So I just write and I let the characters kind of take it. And then I have to go back and revise and edit a zillion times because the characters took it in a really stupid direction. <laughs> so I have to rein them in and then make sure we have what we need to make it a good story. And you develop characters separately first? Is it like, I know these are the five people Sometimes. I want in it? Yeah. So the, the Secrets of Lost Stones, I, I actually had started with this character, Lucy. But she was very different. She was an elderly woman in a nursing home suffering from dementia. Oh. And so She's she... transformed to... Yes, she you. evolved big time in her story. And then um, the one I'm working on now, I was drawn to this Alaskan community for its remoteness and really uniqueness to it. And I just searched until, brainstormed until I came up with a story and characters who worked within that setting. Is it isolating? To be a writer and to be in this process where you're, I, I understand the feedback part, but that's after you've written it. So, right. you know, in terms of all of this that's happening, is it lonely? Well, or do you like it? I have three kids, a dog and a cat and a husband. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hardly Maybe ever lonely. A, a welcome departure then. <laughs> I yeah. might call it my escapism. <laughs> but it can be, yes. If you, let, if you let it, it's very solitary. And there are times where... I have to get out, you yeah. know, I have to just at least to be around people because I'm a pretty s fairly social person. So. And how, um, how long did it take to write um, Secrets of Lost Stones? Well, I wrote that one in four months. Now that's completely unrealistic. I then spent a year revising and editing. So I wrote it just to get the bones of it down. Okay. And then, and that was while I was querying, which you query an agent. For yeah, representation. So I was ask about that. How did you have connections, network, anything in that Nothing. space? Nothing. Really? I started from no information. I just just from research and and there's so much out there. There's so much out there. So you can learn a lot. Mm -hmm. um, and then I, I did. I learned as I went. So the first one I, I queried about a hundred agents. Okay. And then agents then request either a partial or a full, and I had a good number of those, eighteen to twenty, um, but just couldn't get anyone to pick up on it. So while I was querying the first one, I was writing the Secrets of Lost Stones, and there's some freedom in that where it's mm. you know you're busy, so okay, I'm gonna write this, and and then it just makes it kind of an, an easier process than the first when you have your mind right. focused on something else too. And then that one, when I started to query it, I queried not as many. I was a little bit more targeted until I got to a point, this was like my watershed moment. Um, I had had a revise and resubmit on one of the manuscripts and I it had gone pretty far and I thought, oh, maybe this is it. Cause mm -hmm. you just keep feeling like it's mm -hmm. gonna happen. It can right. happen any moment. And then you realize it also could not ever happen. Yeah. Cause you meet other writers and you hear other stories, and so there's that weird place of, is this going to happen? Yes, it will, but it may not. Right. And so I had that when this revise and resubmit, just ultimately they weren't interested. And I remember doing laundry, because <laughs> I hate laundry. <laughs> I was folding laundry, and I'm terrible at folding. <laughs> and I called my mom, and I was devastated, because I really thought that I put so it. much into this. And this was, you know, three years into writing and and I'd like to tell you it was the first time I cried but it right. wasn't <laughs> right, right. but I'm talking to her and I'm like I don't know mom you know I 
I'm 40, what was I, 43 years old. I'm going to sound like age is really important. It's not. It's like my milestones, it was your, right? Yeah, your goals. So I'm like, I'm 43 years old. What am I doing? Like, my, the kids are growing up. They don't need me as much. They're not going to. Who am I? Kind of like I was back in high school, right? right? right. Who am I? It? And she said, Missy, this is your watershed moment. You either decide mm. to go forward regardless of, because you don't know, and you, but you keep working, or maybe this isn't for you. And you choose another path. And that's okay, too. And it was powerful for me. Mm-hmm. And I and I kind of sat down with that. And I was like, do I want to quit this? And no. I mean, the resounding answer for my head was no. Mm-hmm. I don't want to quit this. So I kept going. And it was shortly after that. I actually went to something called Publishers Marketplace that lists, you can find, like, top-selling agents. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I just threw all the rules out the window. And I said, who are the top selling agents currently in the last six months? I'm querying them. And I did. And that's where I got my agent. (laughs) Is there like the querying process? Is it, how does, are you emailing them? Like, what does that mean to query? query, Yeah. In this day and age, so much easier than uh, 10, 15 years ago. Right, where you're like pounding on doors. And you're putting it, you're mailing off your paper manuscript and trying to get, I'm emailing. I mean, it's, it's, so you can, you, that process so like is quicker. For, like there's a formula of mm-hmm. how people. You send a query right. letter and um, maybe some sample pages. Would you say this was the first time? So when you have that watershed moment, and I'm interested in this component of what I think is resilience or the ability to forge ahead when everything feels like you're getting no. So had you had anything like that to this point, or was this the first time that you felt like, I really have to push through the not knowing, you know, this, the, the, mm-hmm. you know, feeling rejected, I suspect, and you'd put a lot of heart and soul in that. Would, is this the first time you had to... That I was really kind of like, standing on my own. Yeah. yeah, it was all like my, whether I could do it or not. Mm-hmm. And there, I couldn't, there was no one around me to blame. I wasn't part of a team. Mm-hmm. I wasn't part of an organization. It was right. like, you are either going to sink or swim. And then I'm really interested to the tie to this, to the art artistry of it. Mm-hmm. So um, my husband sort of by night writes screenplays. And so he is a very creative soul. And he has helped me understand how writing really is an art form Mm -hmm. and how he feels like when he does that and he puts it out in the world when there isn't good response or, you know, it's very, it's very soul crushing because it's this like part of him. And, um, and first it took me, I I always think of art as art, like hanging on a wall or it's taken me a long time to figure out a lot of us are doing art in a lot of different ways. So how do you feel about your connection to the writing? Does it feel like art to you? Was it like a part of your soul when you're putting it out there? And then when you're rejected, is that a similar feeling? I guess I have a little bit of distance between me and it. I mean, mm-hmm. I I love my characters, but they're not me, mm-hmm. right? I'm they're, I, I, When I write a story, I'm completely open to the fact that this is not the best way you could ever tell a story, mm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, that, which is why I think I'm totally comfortable with revisions and edits. So I actually struggled seeing myself as an artist mm, for a long time. Interesting. Um, but now, yes, because the creative part of it is the what I love. I mm. love trying to put together these characters with these traits or these issues, and then how can we, we how can it get resolved? How can they find if it's redemption? How do they find redemption through this process? And so that. Part, speaks to another part of me. Sometimes mm-hmm. I get choked up writing something. Yeah. Then I read it later and it's terrible. <laughs> really? <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that pro- 
process but, of like, do you use post-its? Like, what's your process? Is it wish all? I did. Nope. No, I use like the the computer <laughs> and a, I always have a notebook. Yeah, I, you have like a notebook, a book, or more. Um, I, yeah, I'm a very. I guess maybe that's the creative like Jackson Pollock yeah. kind of throwing paint on a on a. That would be me with writing. I'm like I throw it all on the paper and then I figure it out. Yeah. really neat so then tell me once you're um you get your agent and then what's the process like they they decide you you decide yes we're going to partner and we want to do this together then what happens yes I was thrilled to work with this agent she is she's very supportive of writers in this industry and she's been in the industry for 20 years um so I was just thrilled the process is um I said yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> yes, please. Yes. I did have questions. I came up with questions right. uh, that she had actually suggested that authors ask agents. So I was like, here's your questions. <laughs> right back at you. Um, so um, then she had, she really saw it. She helped it to uh, become even deeper the story that it was. Mm-hmm. She helped to, we went through like a 10 page edit letter she sent me. And it's yeah. funny because people hear that and they're like, wow, that's a lot. But she didn't change anything I loved about, or she didn't suggest changes that mm-hmm. took away what I loved about the story. The story has never changed. Now, could someone have blonde hair instead of brown? Sure. Right. Could we take out a love interest? Absolutely. Does that affect the core of what I am trying to tell here? Not at all. Mm-hmm. And that's how I look at a story. If the bones of it that I love, and that's how I start with it, is the bones. This mm. is the story I want to tell. These are the bones. Now I got to put it on the flesh and the, the veins and all. I got to yeah. build it. But that stuff can move and change as long as, for me, the bones are there. And so she never touched the bones. She okay. just helped me as a writer make it deeper and stronger. So then after we went through that, we put it out on submission to publishers. Um, so start and finish, I signed with her in October or September. I think we were out on submission by January, February, and I had a publisher in March really of cool. 2018 or 17. I can't remember anymore. Yes. And so then, and once that's organized and situated, then it's published, right? And then, and then you out. go through another round of developmental edits oh. and copy edits and line edits. and From the publisher. Yeah. Because now they... you. So unlike an artist who paints something, right? Mm-hmm. No, no artist paints something and then you go. Like, nobody went to Van Gogh and said, could you maybe erase that <laughs> right. and put right. this? Right. Nobody does that, right? But with a book and a story, oh, yeah. It's so crazy. Yeah, it's so crazy. Yeah. And now, obviously, it's the business side of it, right, too? Yes, so. and that's a whole other side that, you ha- that I'm still learning. Right. Yeah. But words to me, again... Um, Words are fluid and fun, and you can play with them. So unlike that piece of artwork, the art to me is in the revision and the edits. Mm-hmm. And I, I wish, I hope that more authors can look at it that way because sometimes we get so, some authors we get so attached to what we wrote, yeah. and that's, that's our, it's everything we are on that piece of paper. But what you are is that story you're trying to tell. Mm-hmm. And so move the words around. It's so interesting because there is a parallel to, I think, in business and this whole idea of constructive feedback and being able to receive it and deliver it. And it's such an art form and being able to be open to it and amenable. And to your point, those revisions or that consensus or getting people to uh, be open to hearing that can make it so much better. 
And I think we're all humans in that we, like at first you sort of resist it or there's fear in getting that feeling of like, but I worked so hard and I tried my best and can it be good the way it is? And it's Mm -hmm. like, it can be good and it can be better. And it has, it's not a judgment or a value judgment. It's just a way to make it better than it. Right. And don't you wish that we could bring that into how we discuss anything? Yes. I mean, yes. if we, that's an art form of communication. If we could just come to every conversation with a, here's what I'm thinking, here's what you're thinking, you know, where we're just more open mm-hmm. instead of here's what I'm thinking. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> you know. But. And then, so this actually is just another question because I am so excited and passionate about the soft skills side of life. In terms of some of the skills that you had to use, like I would think influence and obviously communication, how have those two skills aided you in this process? Besides the obvious, like written word is communication, but in terms of working with your agent or working with the publisher mm-hmm. and being able to influence or stand up for yourself or advocate, those kind of things. Yes, um, and I'm learning all of that because yeah. ultimately it is it is my writing and my books, but mm-hmm. I I am collaborative, and so I appreciate the collaborative process. Mm-hmm. So I've appreciated what my agent has brought to the table, and I've appreciated what my editor has brought to the table. Um, and maybe you have to start there, you know, but at the same time, it is still, it's like your, your business. Yeah. And so learning how to be collaborative, but also stand up or I don't want to say stand up. That seems so confrontational, but just, um, be firm in what you know is right for you mm-hmm. and your story and your book and your, your side of the business. So I think I wasn't totally tracking in terms of your goals and your timeline. Did this then happen within what you had initially set out for yourself in terms of this first published book. It did. It did. It did. That was pretty cool. I know. It was pretty cool. <laughs> and how long has it been out now? Um, it came out September 1st. September 1st. Yes. So that's pretty recent. Yes. And like, that's really cool. And so what is this now that it's out and what's that feel like and what kind of response are you getting? It's amazing. Yeah. Um, the The response I've, I've gotten is amazing. I actually was so prepared because you know, going out there mm-hmm. in the cyber world stuff, or oh gosh, is yes. that even what it's called anymore? Yeah. <laughs> is that like nineties? The information highway. <laughs> That's really on the See, internet. I just made it worse, so now I make you look better. <laughs> Great. Um, but I didn't know what to expect. You know, sometimes you hear right that people are so yeah. Awful. You hear so much how awful people are, and frankly, people have been amazing. And 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 the people who this book touches and mm-hmm. means something to they reach out and they say something and that has been amazing <laughs> okay. uh, so I'm interested and in, did you expect people to be reaching out and telling you how much it meant to them no that's very humbling that's been that's gotta be so cool. overwhelmingly so actually there's a time where I had to stop reading really? and I you know everyone's like don't read reviews don't read. but I'm like but they're nice like the, I don't read the ones that are just you know sometimes a book isn't for someone and that's totally fine yeah some are just, you know, this seem to serve no real purpose mm-hmm. other than just to say something. And that's fine, too. And I ignore that. Um, but the really nice ones that have touched people, that has, um, that's been overwhelming and surprising, yeah. I guess. I think because that's fantastic. That's, a, that's like somebody standing in front of your back to the right, art analogy and, right. and, and taking something from that. Mm-hmm. And to know that something I created somebody was able to take something from it in a good way that's uh, kind of amazing yeah yeah and so uh, if you had to 
put this on a scale of like zero to 10 and 10 being really, really hard and zero being like not so bad at all, like in terms of the amount of work and the time that you had to put into the book, into the process and like in, of your own investment, how would you, what would you score that? I mean, that's a great question uh, because I think if I didn't love it, mm-hmm. I'd tell you it was a 10, mm-hmm. but I love it. So while it's been really hard um, and challenging, um, I would do it all over. Like work. Yeah, because like, it's funny how yeah. that, that association with work is like, Ugh. right? But I think the reason I ask that question is I, I do think things that um, like this, which are unique opportunities, and you you're making impact, and you're published, and it's out in the world, like and someone wants to have a similar experience, there is an investment of time and care and feeding that goes into that that I would suspect is not overnight. No, and, and some know. people, so I had I got to make a choice where I'm going to pursue this as a full-time job. Right. And that, so I was fortunate. Yeah. And there are people who are working full-time jobs and writing when they should be sleeping. Right. That's an investment of time. You know, that is someone who is driven to tell stories, driven to get their words out there. And I am awed by that. Mm-hmm. So my timeline worked because I could approach it as a full-time job. And I didn't want to waste that time. Right. I didn't want to be like, well, I have all this time. I'm going to approach it as a full-time job that isn't paid yet. Won't, right. You know, won't pay Still. for a while. Right. And, and, but I got to make that work because I can't. But then you've got people who are working those full-time jobs and they're, and they're writing. Mm-hmm. And they have those same timelines too. Yeah. But so much more pressure on them. What would you say during this process is the most challenging? I guess st- writing when you have nothing to say. Mm. It kind of seems like having a conversation where I'm, <laughs> I don't have anything to say. So it's you just staring at a screen? No, I make myself write knowing it's terrible. Really? Knowing so I like... won't even keep this stuff, knowing it's... If anyone read it, they would go, why are you even doing this? <laughs> it's just the, just, it's just the doing of it. Yes. In the, yeah. um, I've heard this a lot just because my husband, he's always reading about, you know, writers and the discipline of writing every day yes. and just making yourself do it, even if you have nothing to say. Yep. And there is that, that discipline is important. It's in, you have to have discipline in writing. Yeah. You have to be able to, but I mean, in so many things, right? But yes, in this, you have to be willing to write and do when you don't want to yeah I mean I think that's hard and with now that you have this experience and you have something out there I, I would imagine then it's motivational to keep going and now that you've done it you know you can do it and does it open up for you like any of the fears or the self-doubt does it it's all hitting now really oh it's terrifying <laughs> really <laughs> yes okay tell me more about that yes How's... because people there are people who have read my book and liked it and they want to read more <gasps> oh and now it's not my expectations it's not my goals i need oh. you know trying to Remember, I write what I write because that's what I enjoy writing, but trying not to have a lot of other noise in my head. But will they hate the next one? Mm. Is it, will it Can deliver? It Can I do it again? What, what did I do in the first place? I had some of the things, some of the comments are so nice, like, oh, the twists and turns. I didn't see it coming. And I, I asked my mom, I said, what didn't they see coming? What did I do? 
but it's just the way I tell stories, you know, so hopefully I can continue to do that. Yeah. That was just the way I chose to tell that story. It's terrifying. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's so interesting because my assumption is really like, okay, I did it. So now I know I can, and it's just a matter of, fig- you know, but that's so interesting that it's sort of an opposite feeling of like... I'd be interested to see if other writers feel the same yeah. way when they get... Yeah, the, the expectations. Mm-hmm. That's so interesting. So how many have you written? I think you had talked about another one that you were writing while this was being shopped, I guess, if that's the right word, or do I have the order wrong? Like, um, well, I wrote the first one. That was when I started writing, and then I wrote this one. And what's the first one? And now one? The, the first one is called um, Ripple, and it's set in Pine Lake, too. So similar type and of And is that available story. for people? No, to... not yet. Okay. Not yet. And then my next one is totally different, set in Alaska, um, loosely titled Forgotten. Um, yeah, it's about a woman who wants to remember and a little girl who wants to be remembered. Oh. And, yeah. So uh, that one is due here to my publisher in the next few week, next few weeks. Yeah. So that is another tactical question. When they when you build this relationship and you have the book, then and they like the book, then is it like we want three books, we want five books? Like is that? It depends on what you were offered. So oh. yeah. So I was offered a two book deal. Oh. Yeah. So this is my thank you. <laughs> it's very exciting. It was exciting because it's like oh you've got work. Yeah. Just, yeah. Yeah. And this now you get paid, right? Yeah. Whereas you, the fact that you were doing it on paper so long. And then um, in terms of your day, in terms of making it feel like a full-time job, did you have a specific place that you would go and do it? Did you like have certain hours that you were doing it that people, like, because you have a busy life, you have yeah. kids and a husband and a dog and a cat. Mm-hmm. So like in terms of not being interrupted, those kind of things, how did you? Yeah, I want to be honest. The cat really takes oh. nothing. <laughs> I shouldn't add her to the list. Now? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, as soon as I would drop the kids off, and and it would be in the early days. It was, I mean, still soccer games, yeah. uh, ballet practice, theater, softball, hospital rooms. I've done a lot of hospital oh. room writing. Um, anywhere, I always had my computer with me. Oh, so, so anywhere, you just kind of are a mobile. Yeah, and I was until recently because I've published my first book. I earned myself a little nook. <laughs> for an office. I, I was at the kitchen counter a yeah. lot, um, yeah. but I earned myself a nook. So I have a desk. Okay, and I have just a couple more and then we'll wrap up. About um, support during this time and people that were like yes people and positive and supportive and then people that were like, are you sure? And do you know what you're doing? And like, did you have both of that? Or did you find like with your husband and your family and your friends, like was were people mostly like, yeah, go for it. They were it. amazing. Really? Yes. That, I mean, my, my parents, my friends and my husband, I mean, they all believed in me Yeah. and they were amazing. There are those people that you'll, well, what are you doing now? And, you know, because I'd been a stay at home mom and I felt like, you know, I always had that chip on my shoulder. Like, well, I mean, mm. you know, I went to college and I, I got my graduate degree. You know, I felt like, oh, now I'm at home. I felt like I had to explain to people, which is unfortunate, really. Because I don't regret those years at all. I loved being with them. But it was hard. Those Mm -hmm. were hard. But um, then you say, oh, what are you doing now with your kids all in school, right? Well, I'm I'm writing a book. People love to hear that. People love to hear that. Yes. And then, six months later, is your book published? (laughs) Well, no, the story's not finished yet. But once I, and then a year later, is your book published? Okay, so no, not yet. Now I'm trying to get an agent and everyone's saying no. 18 months later, is your book published? Like, no. And then after that, they stop looking at you. (laughs) So my, my, 
my recommendation is tell the people who are closest to you who could be your team leaders and your, yeah. your cheerleaders. Um, don't tell Sally from the grocery store right. that you see, you know, three days a week in the dairy section Why because she's going to ask you every single time. <laughs> well, and that I think again is another example of great patience. Like that, there is a long and lengthy process to that whole thing that you stayed with. I can see a lot of people bailing because it gets hard. And I think we're all now a product of this. It has to be immediate. Everything's immediate. Everything is real time. I can have anything I want whenever I want. And I feel like you really have to dig deep now. If you want something to be, you have to be patient. So the fact that you were patient and people asking you all the time, I mean, that's a little extra pressure too. And the biggest thing for me was I was going to see this through one way or another because my kids were watching. My girls were watching. Another question. My son was watching and they were a part of this whole thing too. And there was no way I was going to quit. I mean, yeah. really, there was none. The, I wanted them to see what you it. could do. And so that is the other, my other big thing with writing, and I think it applies to just about anything. The reason I feel like at this moment I am where I am is because of persistence and timing. Timing, maybe luck. Um, I hate to say luck because I think if you are persistent and you, mm-hmm. you go after what you want, mm-hmm. it doesn't mean it's going to happen tomorrow. Right. The timing piece comes because you keep you keep going for it. Right. When you keep going for something, eventually you hit that right timing. And you were intentional, and you knew what you wanted. I think that's yes. the other thing. I, I've like listened to a lot of podcasts and read a lot about. You have to envision it and see it yourself first. Like if you if you can't, then how's the universe going to pay it back? Or right. Divine intervention or whatever that is, you know. So you saw it. You knew what you wanted. You were specific. Right. I think all of those things and your intention. But it was, this is also my path, and I'm, I always hesitate to be like, so everyone yeah. should do this. I think that that watershed moment I had mm-hmm. is important because maybe my answer then would have been, right. this isn't right for me. And that is totally okay because maybe there was another path I should have been on, and I would have only gotten to that path had I pursued this yeah. path and realized that I'm not on the right one. So, you know, I, I always hate to make it sound like I, I, I made this happen by envisioning it. Right. Uh, you know, my intention created this. I feel like this was the path that was right for me. And the challenges that came from it um, weren't, were still challenging, but I didn't mind the work and the effort to face them. Mm-hmm. So if you hate the work and the effort to face it, it's a possibility you're on the wrong path, right? Right. And that you right. need to adjust it. Yes. Sorry, that's mine. <laughs> no, I I mean, I fully am a big believer in finding your strengths, finding what makes you happy, and then figuring out a way to do that as much as you can. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, stated very simply, which I think it's taken us a long time to figure that out. And it's Both. exactly what you've done, right? Yes, yeah. 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 So, And it's made it all the difference about... I'm a happier person at home. I am a better mom. I'm a better wife. Like all these other, there's like a ripple effect that I did not even anticipate because it's like truer to my soul and my heart. Mm -hmm. So it just, you know, it just feels different. And then the people around you feel different, I think. Yes. Um, Okay. So I, a standard question that I ask is um, advice and counsel that you would give your younger self. So based on your life experience and kind of totality, maybe not just writing, but you know, what, advice would you give to that high school version of Mm -hmm. you, right? That was not quite able to be who she wanted to be or be who she was or just other times where you were like, if you were your older, more nurturing self, like what would you just say to young Missy? Oh gosh. 
loosen up, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry so yeah. much. Yeah. Yeah, except that that's unrealistic, isn't it? Because I think I'm, I am the person I am today because of my hangups back then. Yeah. Um, which I don't know. I guess. <laughs> That's a hard question. I know. It is a hard question. It is a hard question. Another yeah. way you could put it is, like, you have a daughter. So how do you counsel mm-hmm. your daughter, given that she's in stages that you're in, right? And you're looking at that person, yep. and you love them so much, and you want the best, and you want them to learn from the things that... right were hard for you so, man I don't know what it is about the kids today though I look at her and I'm like you're the kind of person I both of them like you're who I wanted to be they're so outspoken and they're so sure of themselves but um but yeah it would be just continuing to guide them to be who you are yeah oh my gosh that's so <laughs> no it's not <laughs> but be who you are <laughs> scratch that like all the things that are said on mugs. Like, I know. Look towards tomorrow. <laughs> the sun will always rise. Good. Are you a master of words? No, I'm totally joking. No. I'm totally joking. My fa- no, I actually said something earlier and I was like, oh no, if my husband were listening, he always does this. He'll go, oh, I are a writer. <laughs> That's what it sounded like earlier. That is the hardest question. I mean, I like loosen up just because I feel like one of the things that's such a challenge at that age is that you take yourself so seriously. Yes. And your 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 sphere is so small and everything matters so much. And the reality is it really doesn't. Right. It is a it is a moment in time mm-hmm. and you're going to be all these other things in your life. And it's a bumpy ride, but it's a great ride. So to to be so serious and so focused in that time. I, mm-hmm. I get the loosen up. I, it makes sense to me because it's like, if I could go back, I would say the same thing. Yeah. Like I went back and I found these old journals, these high school journals. It was so heavy. It's so deep. It's so like, <laughs> like yes, like lighten up. What is wrong with you? And I do think it's maybe developmentally what's going on in your brain. I don't know. But I, I similarly would be like, yeah, just lighten up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's it. And I thank you so much for your time. This is great. It was such a great experience. Oh, one last thing. Just like what's next for you? What should like people be on the lookout? You have another one that you're working on. Yes. Um, So that process. Yes. Yep. So that should come out next year. Okay. Um, So we'll get back together after that. Yes. We'll talk more. I would love it. This is really fun. Okay. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening and thank you, Melissa. I feel privileged that Melissa took the time out of her busy schedule to talk with us at Relatable. I'm definitely getting a copy of The Secrets of Lost Stones and can't wait to see what else she has in store for us. Thanks to Missy for producing this episode. As a reminder, if you like this discussion, please subscribe and rate Relatable on iTunes. If you get a chance, please write a review. We'd love to see your comments. Relatable is sponsored by Teresa Freeman Associates. You can follow us on Twitter or Instagram, and we also have a TFA Facebook page. 
Until next time, this is Teresa Freeman with Relatable.